Hi, I'm Louisa Boa-Taylor, and this is Future Food, where food trends and new technologies converge. There is a systemic change occurring in our food system. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs, investors, chefs, farmers, and others defining that future. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Future Food. I know there haven't been many episodes recently, and that is because I had my second child uh, halfway through last year, so I was off for a few months. And when I came back at the beginning of this year, I thought I would try and do a mini-series on things that I might have missed while I was away. And so there's always a lot going on in the indoor agriculture space, but I thought the best person to turn to to find out more was my good friend Henry Gordon-Smith from Agritecture, the consulting firm in indoor ag. And he's also recently developed a software platform called Agritecture Designer to help cities, businesses, and anyone really that wants to set up an indoor farm work out exactly how and where to do that. So I reached out to him and said, you know, who should I be speaking to? What have I missed? And he said that InFarm have been making some amazing progress with their distributed vertical farms. InFarm is a German startup founded by two brothers, Guy and Erez Galonza. And so Henry and I thought we would do a co-interview together of the two brothers. And so the next voices you'll hear will be myself and Henry talking about the interview we just had with them. So that was a great conversation we just had with InFarm. Oh, absolutely. It was so much fun to hear from Guy and Erez. And, you know, it's just incredible to see how far they've come and hear their perspectives about sustainability and their growth strategy of their company. What did you like about it? Yeah, I mean, I love seeing your response to some of their questions. Obviously, you know a lot more about this space than I do. And I think you seem quite surprised about some of the initiatives they'd undertaken, such as having a deep dive on their sustainability. I mean, I just understand, you know, from our work at Agritecture, just how difficult vertical farming is, and how difficult the unit economics are today, even though they are improving. And so to see companies take a leadership role in something like sustainability, it's an extra cost. Or to say that they're offsetting their impact, or to say that they're choosing to only work with renewable in the future, those are really difficult to achieve. And I think it's also probably difficult to get a whole set of investors on board with that. I think it shows you know, real leadership, and I'm going to be watching carefully on how they execute that. But that's what I thought was really interesting. Thinking about planning for farms, I mean, it was interesting to hear the story of how they actually came about and, and created the business from this first marriage, let's say, with Metro Retailer. Your new software service, that helps people to design farms and, and think about where they should position them. How would you know you take those kind of experiences of in-farm and the learnings from them? And how can you help other people you know, decide to build out farms in similar ways? Or Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, I think this industry is still nascent. And even though you know, this goes back to really my story 10 years ago, trying to get into the space and understand vertical farming and greenhouses and promote that. So what we're trying to do with Agritecture Designer is we're trying to sort of democratize the basics of the economics of these facilities so that if you want to innovate in the space or enter the space, we, we can make that process more seamless. So it's a place to learn. It's a place to plan. It's a place to really uh, even purchase and finance the things you need to get your first facility up and running. So we're really excited about Agritecture Designer as sort of creating a baseline understanding of the sector that really helps new entrants innovate and accelerate that process. Because bottom line, we do need more innovation in agriculture. We do need to be able to grow more with less close to the consumer. And we're just excited that our software can be an enabling technology for that. That's awesome. So what would you say would be a highlight for listeners to listen out for in this conversation they're going to hear that we had with InFarm? So I think definitely in this conversation, you're looking for 
the aspects of the retailer, you know, when you're thinking about vertical farming, focusing on that customer is so important. I thought that was a really great highlight that uh, InFarm talked about and, and has been representing really well. And then the other piece is that, look, things are catching up on sustainability. We heard the, the recent talks from Biden, as well as the president of the EU. Sustainability is certainly on the front of the agenda for the next four years, at least in both of those continents. So if you're a vertical farming company and not focused on it, you better catch up. So without further ado, here is our interview with Guy and Erez Golonska from Infarm. Hi, Erez and Guy. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us where you are and what you had for breakfast? Pleasure to, uh, to be with you in this virtual world. What we have for breakfast. So first of all, I'm in Berlin, where we live and operate with Infarm. And today for breakfast, actually, I ate hummus or chickpeas paste. This is what everybody knows. And then you can just survive throughout the day. So I'm, I'm good until the evening. Really? Wow. Is that, is that a typical breakfast for you? It's uh, once a week, twice a week. Yeah, you can say so. Sounds good. What about you, Guy? Um, I, first of all, I wish I had hummus for breakfast. Uh, not this time. I'm currently um, in Madrid, actually, in Spain. I'm coming back to Berlin uh, this week after a few months of uh, of stay. Uh, I had for breakfast an uh, all-time European classic, just a muesli uh, with oat milk. Sounds great. And Henry, you're out in Costa Rica living up the dream. What did you eat? Yeah, I'm here. I'm actually just about to dig into a nice pumpkin and chocolate muffin that this coffee shop is providing me. It's The chocolate here is incredible. Sounds great. Um, brilliant. So I thought if you wouldn't mind kicking off, because I've never actually heard the the background of the story behind Infarm and, and why and how you guys founded it. So um, if one of you could give us just a quick, a brief overview of that, that would be great. Of course. So we started Infarm seven or eight years ago here in uh, Berlin, together with Guy, which is also my brother, and Osnat which is uh, my partner in life. So it started as a family-owned, very small business with great ambitions. What we want to do from uh, from the beginning is to bring farming very close to people and cultivate the best possible products, produce, and to do it in affordable prices so we can give access to other people to enjoy from the, from the magic of of our farms and what we can actually grow with different techniques, which today everybody knows what is vertical farming. But back in the days, people looked at us and say, what the hell are you doing, guys? It's Nobody's going to eat from artificial environments. It's not natural, etc." So this is how we started in this kind of environment. We built the first cloud-connected farm inside of our living room. And very fast, we pushed it um, into a supermarket nearby our house. The supermarket called is Metro. It's also probably was one of the first viral farms in the world. More than 7 million people watched this farm. And we, it, was a, it was a great success. And of course, after this, um, we got a lot of traction. Different retailers basically approached us and say, can you do the same? Of course, we couldn't, but it didn't stop us from saying, yes, of course we can do it. And this was a late 2016, early 2017 when we went outside and raised our first uh, round together with um, a boutique firm called Cherry here in uh, Berlin. 
And this was really the beginning of what everybody called today a startup. And this was the first time when we started to commercialize in farm and start to think about how we can bring those farms literally to everyone, how we can make it super accessible, plug and play, integrated into uh, into uh, the layers, the different layers of the city and start to cultivate our amazing products. And I'm not saying amazing because they're amazing because I'm biased, obviously I am, but it's uh, when you start to grow and Henry, you can uh, you can comment on this if you want. When you start to grow or craft plants, and really, and you, if you're really passionate about what you do, you can really grow those plants in uh, those control environments. And because they're super fresh, and literally you harvest and you put it on your plate, it contains more vitamins and therefore more taste. So this was 2017, and today we are more than 1,000 point of sale and servicing millions of people on a weekly basis. We have uh, more than 500,000 square feet of facilities in 10 countries. We're going to hit our 1,000 people milestone uh, next quarter. Guys actually have 10% of those people working uh, directly under him, focusing on the plant science and the next generation of the farming system. And yeah, we, we are here for the long term and to bring farms not just close to um, where people actually consume the food, but also to redesign the entire food supply chain from end to end. And we are very excited about this. That's fantastic. And yeah, we're going to get into, you know, how much you've grown in the last year alone. But just going back to that beginning story. So really, it was that relationship with Metro that got things going. And is that how you came up with the business model of having the distributed farms? The relationship with the supermarket, it was a pivotal, yes, it, it was definitely when we hit the nerve, so to speak. Before that, we had farms inside of uh, offices, inside of uh, households, inside of uh, different, uh, it was different application, could be even uh, um, hotels and restaurants, etc. But for us, the supermarkets represent the center of consumption. They actually, they are responsible for the way the food supply chain is actually look like. So if you start and engage with the supermarkets and you operate almost like a train horse strategy, um, I'm from Israel, so I read a few books about military and strategy, how to penetrate areas. So if you really, if you really bring these aggressive ways of doing things into agriculture and you're starting to find the beautiful part, how to engage with people and, and create openness for new ideas, and especially with those who are actually responsible for the supply chain, then amazing things can happen. And today, um, we are very proud to have in our portfolio more than 40% of the top retailers in the world that we are working with them and really helping them and supporting them in this journey of having a farm that cultivate based on their demand. Fantastic. Uh, so, Henry, I guess you could jump in here and let's talk about what I've missed. Um, yeah, let me. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that's been really exciting to see is really the explosive growth of InFarm recently in recent years, right? I mean, you've expanded to other continents, big markets like the United States. You've also expanded to Japan recently. It's also really great to see that you're in the Netherlands, which is a really tough market as well. So, but all of these markets are very different. Can you tell us about that strategy? How do you choose where you're expanding to and what are you looking for? First of all, we're looking for clients. We're looking for clients that, uh, not just a client, it's somebody that want to buy plants um, from InFarm or to sell the InFarm plants. We're really looking for long-term um, partnerships. And if you really focus on those very specific clients, retail, they're the toughest one 
and actually there is tough more uh, the, in the spectrum you write Netherlands is probably where they are the toughest um yes but exactly. also more mature in terms of uh, the understanding about horticulture or hydroponics the, the best universities over there it's a familiar concept i i would say but still even inside of this uh, ecosystem we are we can innovate and inspire people not just with the farm themselves and the way we produce the plants but also in the way we provide services, the way we servicing the clients, the way we engage and inspire people to change their diets. So we look at this more holistically, but the focus is we're going to a market where there is a long-term partner and where we believe that Infarm is going to be successful in that specific region or market. So again, it's really still about finding that ideal retail partner because again, these markets have very different produce prices, uh, different cultures around food different cultures around consumption. Correct. So that's what's been interesting to see as, as you, you approach those different ones. Correct. Um, I want to go back to the, the, the origin story a little bit, Louisa, because, you know, Infarm first stumbled across my sort of uh, awareness when you had the little microgreens kit that was sort of a, a biophilic system. And, and you didn't mention that in your, in your initial story, but it was this sort of beautiful uh, shaped microgreens kit that allow you to grow at home. And so design and sort of um, industrial design has always been kind of part of Infarm's DNA. How are you maintaining that today? And what can we expect in the future uh, from that, that original DNA of the company? The Origami Microgreen Kit. This was an amazing uh, uh, marketing campaign to educate the, our community and the different uh, people that we engaged with them back in the days. So still, the community is still there. And this is something that we are working very hard to uh, to continue and work and uh, get inspired by different individuals um, that, yeah, that wants to actually grow their own food, I would say. It doesn't matter if it's a microgreen or it's a gigantic farm, but for us, the, the concept is a little bit like, a, I don't want to become a philosopher here, but uh, in, uh, you, you have to see in each and every drop contains actually the DNA of the entire sea. So this is kind of how we're looking on um, a very natural way. I am on looking on... Um, on, a, on the way we operate. And the way we escalated from a technology perspective or from the industrial engineer perspective, I think, Guy, you are uh, the person to actually answer it and you can also tell us what is coming next. Um, definitely design, or more specifically, the user experience has always been uh, very important for us. I think it represents you know, a, a larger paradigm shift that's happening on focusing on on users or on humans, right? Human-centered design. The shift has maybe kind of focused slightly more from external facing to internal facing where we develop lots of different um, software tools, lots of different processes, different farms, whether it's the install farms that you see in the supermarket aisles or the farms we operate in our hubs, but all is, is still kind of constructed with that human-centric approach. And it's a never-ending story. There's all, humans always change, the farms always change, so we're always adapting, um, and it's definitely something we put focus on, and we're going to put actually a lot more focus on going forward in order to provide an experience which is as holistic as possible, internally and externally. And with that, and what Els mentioned is we have a new a new type of install farm coming up this year in the next few months, which we are kind of integrating all of the learnings we've had on the hardware side, on the software side, on the operation side, into a completely kind of new experience. 
Well, that's exciting. Uh, we can't wait to, to hear about that and, and learn more about that. As far as the sector is concerned, there's been a lot of focus on automation and robotics. You see a lot of the press and news and what the vertical farming companies are really promoting there. You know, InFarm, from my perception, really does focus a lot on the customer and the retail experience. Why, why are you not communicating as much about automation or maybe you're not using as much, which I suspect is not the fact, but can you tell us about, about that? Maybe your philosophy as it relates to automation? Yeah, I can expand a bit about this. Definitely, the focus is the experience. When you look at um, your new Tesla car or whatever car you buy or or your the phone you have in your hand or the computer, you don't know how the, the, the manufacturing is behind, right? And I think that's that's important because it doesn't matter actually for your experience. It matters maybe for people from the industry that want to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and how does it look like inside and what are they doing right and what are they doing wrong. But for us, that's never been a focus. Do we think about automation? Do we invest in automation? Definitely. I can, I can tell you we have lots of people working on this because it's an important aspect of, of InFarm and an important aspect of the industry in order to become sustainable and making sure that we can offer those great products to everyone in affordable prices. But with that said, there are some there is some information that's going to come out in the next um, few weeks and months, kind of shedding a bit more light into what we've been working on the last year and a half, which of course is very exciting. Well, we love a good preview, so definitely hit up Louisa first. Uh, Louisa, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I was just going to ask, actually, you, Henry, I mean, why do you think some of these other companies are shouting about their robotics and automation? I mean, there's some huge funding rounds in the space. You know, are they just trying to say where the money's going, you know, and, and kind of justifying that? Well, I think what Guy said was, you know, uh, right, right. So, you know, automation is hugely important to the economic sustainability of the sector. Labor is the highest cost across the board. So in order to reduce that, we have to automate as many of these activities as possible. And I think from an investor perspective, they're looking for that because they want to reduce fluctuations in costs and they want to invest in something that's going to give a, a, a cutting edge or an edge over the competition, which you know, robotics can do that if applied properly. But I think it's really interesting to compare the storytelling of the larger or some of these other vertical farms that are doing more warehouse style to what InFarm is doing with a more retail experiential focused approach. I think, I think that's interesting, right? You don't see... I don't know. I don't see robots moving things around in InFarm's promotions. I see something a little different. And when you go in person, like I to visit some of InFarm's installations, there is a physical nature to the experience, right? You have InFarm representatives there talking about the product or setting up the systems. And so there, there seems to be a lot of labor embedded in the model from, from my perspective. So I think that's why they're doing it, Louisa. I think that's why they're talking, the others are talking about that so much. Okay, great. So we're just going to have a little break from the, the in-depth chat for a little hot or not food trend round. <laughs> so maybe you guys <laughs> can take it in turns. And uh, Henry and I are going to mention some food uh, trends, and you can say if you think they're hot or not. So Erez, you can go for the first one, and then Guy, the second one, and so on. So the first one is drinkable meals. Sorry, what? Drinkable meals, you know, like a Soylent where you have like a, a shake that's <laughs> like right, has yeah. all your calories for a meal. Mm, not so hot. <laughs> okay, Guy, what about robotic cafes? Hot. Uh, Erez, meal kit. 
hot, but should also be look at, uh, you can look at this also as a cook it, not just a milk it. But generally, I love the space. Nice. Guy, what about these uh, bars that are selling alcohol-free elixirs at $14 a, a drink? Uh, hot. Maybe, maybe it's important to say hot or, or not hot doesn't necessarily mean I agree. Uh, maybe important to <laughs> disclaimer. Clarify that. Yeah. Okay. What about, and I'd like to ask both of you this, which do you prefer, lab-grown meat or plant-based meat? Or neither? I never tasted the, the lab one, but I can definitely say to you that I'm a fan of, uh, of the plant-based one. As long as you know how to cook, again. Definitely the plant-based. Okay, great. All right, Henry, you could delve back into some of your bigger questions. <laughs> that was fun. A nice hot, hot or not round. Um, well, let's go into sustainability a bit. I've actually had the pleasure of, you know, doing some panels with, with some of your staff that are focused on sustainability. And it's been interesting to see and learn more about how InFarm is really prioritizing sustainability and wanting to be leaders. So this makes sense a lot, and I think in the EU context, but also global impact. But in the EU, obviously, circular economy and sustainability are super uh, high priorities. But how do we, how do we reconcile this long really talk about this because most of the vertical farms are powered by dirty energy around the world. And so energy seems to still be the sort of big elephant in the room as it relates to vertical farming. Now we understand your model is more distributed. You've got sort of warehouses and smaller units in the stores. So it's a little bit different than the big warehouses. But can you talk about, first of all, the true sustainability of vertical farming? And secondly, why and how InFarm is focusing so much on sustainability and being a leader in it? Of course. So first of all, on the impact story, sustainability topic, we just uh, hire um, Sads. He's, uh, he's going to be the chief impact officer of InFarm. And together, we're going to look how we're going to bring impact, not just on the planet, by bringing farms very close to the end consumers and cutting the chain of supply and all the benefits that comes with this new model, but also about the, the human impact, how we can actually bring more nutrients into the plate, diversify the offering, and bring more nutritional density products into the market. And of course, make them affordable. And so everyone will have access to those products. I can say to you that from the way we look on sustainability, and this was our, this our core product, and this was our main focus, is uh, we try to integrate into our farms the best possible components and philosophy in order to farm in the best possible sustainable way. And what do I mean by this? Already today, we're integrating a new generation of LED lights, which reduce the energy by 50% with the next farms, right? So this is our advantage. We are modular and we choose to be modular because we knew that current technologies, they're just, uh, they're almost in the, in the early days of them. And there will be a lot of progress, especially on the LEDs. Therefore, we are modular and all the time when there is a new design, and new advancement, we can integrate them and all the time making our farms better and better. At the same time, we're also looking on how we are growing the plants and if the plants really um, need to have X amount of intensity throughout all the day. And the answer is no. So we are, we are uh, now in this position where we can look on the growing recipe and really produce more plants and create more yield per square meter of growing while do it with less resources. Even though 
hydroponics and vertically already you basically use less resources if you compare it to traditional agriculture. So I would say that we obsess to, uh, to all the time improve the farms and making sure that they are more sustainable. These are our core product and this is what moves the needle as we grow the company. But now we're also looking on how we can actually create the next generation of the company as well, which means diversify and think about bringing different people from different cultures um, into a, a different position also in the company. So also think about making and bringing more voices into the company. And together, we're thinking how to push the boundaries of agriculture and to make it in the end a profitable company so it will be sustainable on the long run and really impact the way we are eating and consuming food. Thank you, Arez. Guy, do you have anything to add to that? Maybe a bit. I mean, you mentioned it's an elephant uh, in the room for the industry. Uh, I think probably rightly so, right? Like the vertical farms are energy intensive. That, that's, I think, known. Probably many people know less that modern greenhouses are probably also very energy intensive. Not, not talked about as uh, frequently as the vertical farms, but there's definitely a challenge there. I think you know, we did an NLCA quite recently, which was very interesting. We did it for ourselves to understand exactly what are the impact, and we tried to do it as broad as possible. With a third party or in-house? That's very rare. Uh, very few companies are doing LCAs, so I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we know that it's, it's, people are not doing it with an external company usually, uh, but we have done it with an external company. And the results have been really interesting because it shows you that with clean energy, yeah, vertical farming produce is is by nature much, much better than what you can find out there because you can add to it all those very interesting KPIs. We're going to have some probably more publications on this later in the year and to give you a better sense of what it means. Uh, but it's definitely something that we're putting a, a big emphasis on. We are moving all of our hubs, talking to all of our landlords to make sure that the energy we use is clean, renewable energy. And for the vast majority, everyone is, of course, very enthusiastic in doing that. They, they, they believe this is the way to go. They believe this is the future. And they see how this converges very well with vertical farming. Still, this remains, going forward, the biggest challenge of the industry. And there's going to be a lot of collaboration needed to, to make it happen which is great because the, the potential for optimization is huge. We are, as I was mentioned, in the beginning of, of this industry of many of the technologies and the, the learning curve is going to be pretty steep, I think. And I can add, uh, Henry, on, the, on top of it, uh, we're even looking on our retail partners where we have the in-store farms. We're looking on the consumption over there in terms of energy and we are offsetting it as well by planting trees or doing different kinds of initiatives. So our target in the end is a company to be carbon neutral and to bring carbon neutral food into the market. And this is maybe we are 90% there and we still have to work on the, on the rest of the 10%. It, it will come. And when it will come, hopefully will be also serving as a catalyst for all these different retailers or different partners and landlords. So everybody will start to look on their bill and seeing if it's a dirty or if it's clean. Yeah, super inspiring. I was really happy to hear what you said, Guy, about renewable energy and and that piece as far as making vertical farming really shine. And, and Arez also sort of really happy to hear that you're having these initiatives. I think InFarm can play a really a leading role in sustainability across the sector. And, and I, I see that you've taken that on. Well, thank you so much for answering those questions. Really, really interesting and, and so exciting to see the growth of your company and the diversity of your team. 
You've been listening to Future Food with me, Louisa Burwood-Taylor. For news and insights on the food tech and ag tech industries, go to agfundernews.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.